Thank you for that special. You know, when I pastored down south, somebody, when they say, would you testify, would have got up, started running. And um, one guy ran. I think he's still running. I've been here four years, and I think he's still running somewhere. Never saw him again after that. Uh, we'd get tent meetings going down there. I'm not kidding. People would just shout and say amen and praise the Lord. So, But I understand we're up north. Acts chapter number 8. Everyone doing well today? Full house. I love our fifth Sunday fellowships. I love every Sunday, to be honest with you. But I like it when our church comes together. How many of you came in today and somebody was sitting in your seat? Huh? And you're still not over it yet. Somebody's in my seat. And it's hard to worship when you're not. We, um, we knew where you were going to sit. and We moved your seat to that place. And so the location might be different. But you're in your seat and... But I'm glad that you came today. I know some people might not like crowds, and, um, but uh, I like it when our church comes together to worship the Lord. We, um, we've been studying the book of Acts, and um, we've gotten up through uh, Acts chapter 8, and um, uh, we're in verse number 9. We're just going through, and we've seen a, church, a healthy church, what makes up a, a healthy church. I, uh, I preached that message this week down in Mexico. I was invited to preach at a pastor's meeting. Uh, a bunch of pastors from Mexico came together, and there were four of us pastors from the States that went, and, and I preached that message on what makes a healthy church. And the interpreter was uh, uh, interpreting for me, and so when I would do this, the interpreter would do that. If I, if I changed my voice, raised my voice, the interpreter would raise his voice. He did exactly the same thing. I got so, I, I started laughing while I was watching this guy, and I said, is that what I look like when I preach? And, and uh, so I'm going to try to behave and not look so silly this morning, but um, we, we, we've, studied, we've studied a healthy church. What makes up a healthy church? And then we saw this, that like in any healthy church, there's going to come persecution. The church is under attack. The church has been under attack since its beginning. Because Satan doesn't like this. Satan doesn't like people being saved. Satan doesn't like people being ministered to. Satan doesn't like the song that we heard just sung about the chain breaker. Satan wants to hold us under bondage in sin. But Jesus Christ has set us free. And we've come today and we are coming to worship him and through singing, through giving, through the preaching of God's word, we've just come simply to worship Jesus Christ. And Satan will do anything he can to destroy that. He'll try to destroy your home. He'll try to destroy your marriages. He tries to destroy the church. And we saw for several weeks a church under attack or suffering persecution. And right in the middle of chapter number 8, we find in the middle of this persecution, something wonderful happens. And we're going to see this over the next couple weeks. There's a man by the name of Simon who gets gloriously saved. See, what happens in, in, in Acts chapter number 8 is the church is under persecution, so they flee Jerusalem. But, the, but they don't just go into hiding. What they do is they flee Jerusalem, and they take the gospel message to all of Samaria. And so at once, uh, the gospel is just simply being preached in Jerusalem, and the church was growing at a rapid race. There was a, a time where 3,000 were saved, and another time where there's 5,000 saved. And the Bible says that daily they were added to the church. And so on a daily basis, the church was growing. But God didn't just want the gospel to stay in Jerusalem. 
He didn't just die for those that were there in Jerusalem. Jesus came and died for all the world, for all mankind. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that when we are there together in heaven, there's going to be every race, every tongue, every color, every, every, every tribe is going to be there worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that's going to be. I was, as I said, in Mexico this week, and, and I don't know uh, Spanish. I know, I know two words. I know see si and no. Yes and no. It's the only two words in Spanish that I know. Really, that's only one word, I guess. Um, but those are really all I know. And, and um, I learned uh, um, baño as well, baño. I, I learned where that was as well. But other than that, I couldn't understand anything that they were saying. Nothing. Somebody would ask me a question. I would just look at them. And they would keep asking me the same question. And I, I would just look like, I have no idea what they're saying. But when they came together in church and started singing, there was, some, some might not like, we have two guitars. You wouldn't want to be in Mexico. They had about 16 guitars uh, across. And in one real big guitar, it was about like this and about this tall. I think there's another name for it than big guitar, but you know what I'm saying. It was a big, big instrument. And, and they would start singing. They were like Tim Lore up here. Did you see Tim up here today? He was doing a little bit of a jig like this, you know, while he was singing. I don't know what they were saying, but I loved hearing them sing. I knew they were singing about Jesus. I wonder what heaven's going to be like. Hear people sing and hear people worship. It's going to be a wonderful thing. In Acts chapter number 8, God was not wanting the gospel to stay in Jerusalem. He wanted the gospel to go to all the known world. In Acts chapter 8 and verse number 8, would you follow along with me? In verse number 9, we'll begin reading. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time... In the same city, you sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the, the great power of God. And to him they had regarded, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorcery. So we find a man by the name of Simon. Simon doesn't have the power of God, he doesn't know God. He's just simply using magic. He's performed some type of magic that's caused these people in this city to think that he has great power. And the Bible says that from the least to the greatest in this city, they looked up to this man. They thought that he was a man of God because he was doing this magic in front of them. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And so we find the gospel comes to Samaria. Philip, remember Philip is one of those deacons and, and uh, he's one that leaves and someone said to me, how do you, how do you know that's Philip the deacon, not Philip one of the uh, apostles? Because the Bible says the apostles stayed in Jerusalem and then the, those others were scattered abroad. Philip was the second man that was mentioned when we saw the deacons uh, mentioned here. Remember Stephen was stoned and Philip was another one of the deacons and so Stephen who had every right, we looked at this last week, if he would have quit, we would have understood if Philip would have said, you know, here, uh, uh, us seven, we just simply wanted to serve, and, and we were willing to serve in Jerusalem, but, but no one told us we were going to die for preaching the gospel. But you don't find Philip giving up. You find Philip continuing to go. Now Philip finds himself in a foreign place. He finds himself in Samaria. And what does Philip do in Samaria? He does the same thing in Samaria that he did back in Jerusalem. He's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people believe. Listen, we live in a society today where people might think this. They don't want to hear the gospel. 
And I think sometimes that's just an excuse for us not to give the gospel. The Bible says the fields are still white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. People are still being saved today. I sat next to a fella on the plane ride back from Texas uh, this, the last couple days ago, and uh, this fella was, was uh, first time there in Mexico. He was opening part of a business that's opening there, and, and uh, older gentleman, and, and we sat talking, and he's asked what I did, and I told him what I was doing, and then I said, can I ask you a question? I said, has anyone ever told you the gospel of Jesus Christ? And for about 25 minutes, he sat there. He really had no place else to go. Um, I was in the aisle. He was against the window. And um, I had my foot up like this so he couldn't leave and walk past me. But he had no place to go. And he sat there as I shared with him the gospel. You know, people still are interested in hearing the gospel. People are still being saved. People are still wanting their lives changed. People are still putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that Philip, when he came under persecution, didn't stop preaching. He preached the things, the Bible says, concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, and they were baptized, both, of, both men and women. And then we find this man, Simon, again. Simon himself believed also. Here's a sorcerer. Here's one that did magic. You know what the Bible says when he heard the gospel? He believed also. It goes on to say, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the, God, the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as of yet, he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on, a, a, on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whosoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perisheth with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right with the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness, in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem, and he preached the gospel in many villages in Samaritans. In the midst of persecution, the church in Acts, it's continuing to grow. The gospel has now been spread to Samaria, and the people, the Bible says in verse number eight, they've received it with joy. Oh, the, the joy that, that the gospel brings. It changes lives, it sets the captives free, it offers peace and it brings hope, it settles hearts in the midst of confusion, and it brings a total makeover to a person's life. And we find this all throughout the book of Acts, this total makeover that takes place. I want you to write this down in your heart. This is one of my points, but I'm going to just say this and then kind of go on with our message here. But I want you to see something. The apostles and the disciples, they were consistent in doing right, even in the midst of change in their life. 
please make that, write that in your heart someplace. And, and maybe, maybe that doesn't help you today, but maybe down the road when things begin to change or things in your life begin to uh, change somewhat or persecution comes or hard times come, or the reality is this, in life, everybody's life is going to change. And four years ago, my family's life changed. Last year, this past summer, my family's life changed. The reality is this, all of us, even though we don't like change, all of us continue to go through change or seasons in our life. Seasons change. How many of you are looking forward to the fall season? Don't you love the fall? I was last week in a place where it was about 100 degrees every day. And they didn't have air conditioning where I stayed. I stayed right there at the church and in the compound, and me and the guard dog kind of got to know each other a little bit. They had me staying upstairs on a, uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a room, and um, uh, I hit 40, and once, when I hit 40 a couple years ago, this weird thing happened. I can't sleep through the night anymore. I get up. I have to use the restroom. I, I don't know what that is all about, but it just happened. Change. And so I'm, I'm laying there. It's a gated compound, and what they do in those gated compounds is, is at night, they let the guard dogs run free. So if anybody tries to jump the gate, anybody tries to use the restroom in the middle of the night, um, anybody tries to get out of the room, the guard dogs are there. And so it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, the one morning, and in the first morning, and I got up. I'm wide awake in bed. And I hear the dogs barking. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't wait, but I can't go. <laughs> I look down the steps, it walk outside, and you go down these steps. The bathroom is down the steps and down the hallway, and right on the bottom of those steps, guess what's there? The guard dog. And so I had a plan. I was going to ask someone to take me to the store the next day, and I was going to buy a bag of dog treats and so that first night was a very uncomfortable night I stayed in my room but this next day I found somebody that spoke English and said take me to the store what do you need I said I just need some treats so they take me to the store and they bring me to the store and they bring me down to the candy aisle I said no not treats for me treats for dog and so they brought me down I, I grabbed a bag of treats for dogs the next night the same thing happened to me about 2-3 o'clock in the morning I was wide awake I looked down and there the dog was I grabbed my treat, I whistled at the dog, and I threw that thing as far as I could throw it toward the, toward the gate. That dog ran to get it, but the dog is faster than me. <laughs> I come about halfway down the, the steps, and guess what's there at the bottom of the steps? The dog. I'm glad there was more than just one treat. I, I grabbed another treat out of that pouch, I threw it as far as I could, and that dog went to get that treat, and I went and ran as fast as I could, but on the way to the restroom, guess what I dropped? The bag of treats. So the second night, I stayed the rest of the night in a restroom in the bathroom in Mexico until they put that dog up the next morning, and I could get my treats. But that dog found my, ba my bag of treats. And so I had to go get more treats. But I have no idea why I'm telling you the story of the dog in Mexico. But, <clears throat> oh, I know why. Because change happens to all of us. But I want to encourage you this. Listen to me. When change happens, stay consistent in a changing world. Ch stay consistent, Christian, when changes happen in your life. Stay consistent. 
You know what I see? I see God blessing this church. And I see God blessing his people. And I see God doing a great work in the life of Philip and in the life of others, the apostles here, and the other Christians. Because even though change came in their life, they, came, they stayed consistent in doing the right thing. Listen, there's always going to be something that changes in your life. Kids get older. We don't like it. If you're a parent, probably the last thing you like is when your children get older. But guess what? Change happens. You know what they need to see? They need to see consistency in your life. As, as things change your life, whether it be at work or at church or whatever it may be, trials come in your life. You know what I see? That God is blessing this church because they stayed consistent through changes. Stay consistent for Christ. Keep witnessing. Keeping, keep going out. You know, keep giving out tracts. One of the things I love to hear is when the secretaries at church say this, we need to order more tracts. I love to hear that. You know why? That means people are taking them and giving them out. What a wonderful thing that is. I was out the other day, and I gave a tract to someone as I was going through drive through and you know what they said? I already have that. Somebody already gave me that piece of paper. It was, so, it was thrilling to hear that. Somebody is already caring and somebody cares about giving the gospel. Listen, change is always going to come. Don't let change come to you. Don't let it get, cause you to get bitter. Don't let change come when it comes to you, cause you to quit. When change comes, if it's persecution, if it's trial, even if it's wonderful things, changes that you want, don't stop serving the Lord. Keep serving Him. Keep preaching the gospel. God allowed change to come to get the gospel out. And let God use things in your life. Let God use change in your life to accomplish his will as well. The gospel gives us a total makeover. Let's get back to the story here. We read of a man by the name of Simon. And Simon was a, a sorcerer. He's a man that used witchcraft or, or a man that used magic. This magic that he used, he used for his own power, for his own glory. Probably to, to, to get money. Probably did it in front of people. They saw this magic and they feared him. They said, this is a, a, a man of power. This is a man. He's got to get this power from God. And he didn't use this to, to, for God. He used this for himself. But something changed in Simon's town. Philip began to preach the gospel. The power of God began to, began to fall here upon this town. And the gospel became, uh, began to convict people that needed to hear the gospel. You see, something changed in Simon's town. And when Simon and the people in that town heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were gloriously saved. Isn't it a wonderful thing to see people saved when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let me just stop right here and rejoice a little bit this morning in the fact that the gospel changes lives. Here are people that were stuck in bondage to sin, and the gospel freed them from that bondage. What a wonderful thing that is. Church, that ought to be our passion. That ought to be our desire. That ought to be our hope, that we're a part of getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Listen, there's this, this doctrine out there that, that says that God only wants to see certain people saved. But you know, my Bible says that Christ died for all the world. He didn't just die for a, a select few or the elect. He died for all mankind. He died so that every single boy and girl, every single man, every single woman could receive the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and be gloriously saved. 
the gospel we preach. My Bible says this, that God is a whosoever God. The Bible says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that whosoever is you, and that whosoever is me, and that whosoever is whosoever. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus came to die for the entire human race. My Bible says this, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that word all is everyone. It's everyone. He came to save the lost. You know, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter the, 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 the sin that you have, may have committed. Jesus Christ came to save all mankind. Here's a man by the name of Simon. He's a man that's involved in magic, a man that's involved in witchcraft. He's using this for his own self-gain. He's got the people fooled. And when the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached in his town... It was preached to all mankind. And it wasn't for everyone but Simon. It wasn't for everyone but sinners. It wasn't for everyone but people like Simon. It was for whosoever would listen and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't matter what you've done today. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care the sins that you've committed. Jesus Christ came to die for you. He paid your sin debt. In God's eyes, you're worth saving. In God's eyes, you're worth dying for. You are worth saving. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord today that he saw you and I worth saving and came and died upon that cross. Imagine, imagine this morning, if you would, the joy in Samaria. The Bible says in verse number eight, and there was great joy in that city. What, what caused great joy? It wasn't, it wasn't the fact that somebody came in and did magic like Simon did. No, it caused great joy is because people were healed in the name of Jesus Christ. What caused great joy is that the gospel was preached. What caused great joy is what these men and these women, these boys and these girls that were in Samaria heard that they were sinners and and they couldn't save themselves, but they heard the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that he came, he died upon the cross, he paid their sin debt, he was placed in the grave, and three days later, he was gloriously raised from the dead, and he had conquered hell, he conquered death, and he, and only he, could give everlasting life. That brought great joy to this city. You see, they were hopeless, and now they have hope. I want to ask you to remember that day. Do you remember that day that you were hopeless and you realized that there was hope? I'll never forget that day. I was six years old. I was in a vacation Bible school and off to the side of the auditorium on this side there were doors that would go into Sunday school classrooms and I remember the gospel was preached that day and I had grown up in church. My parents were in the ministry. I, I heard the gospel since I was a, a young boy but it wasn't until I was six years old where I finally realized that that story, that gospel message was for me and I remember going into one of those rooms there and that teacher opened the Bible up and that teacher asked me questions and showed me in God's word and showed me how to be saved and I remember that day as a six-year-old boy and, and never forget that day I was gloriously saved. Not all has been saved as a young boy. Some, some were saved later in life. I know some here in our church got saved in, in a, in a, in a, uh, after a, a, a life of, of sin and a life of regret. And praise God that day that the Lord Jesus Christ offered you salvation, you were hopeless and he offered you hope. 
this city has come to know Jesus Christ. I long for that in our city. Could you imagine a campaign that would come to our city? The gospel of Jesus Christ being preached and everyone in that city hearing the gospel and many saved. Do you think that God can still do that? I believe he can. But church, I hope we never get to the place where we start limiting God. I pray that our faith each year that we're together, our faith grows. I pray that each year we beg God and we pray that God would do great things in our city. I pray, I pray that God, I pray that we would have such great faith that God looks down upon us and says, now that, that church has great faith. And I pray that he blesses this church because of their great faith in him. And I pray that he sends a revival, not just to Monclova or Maumee or, 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 or Toledo, but, but all around. That I pray that there's someone that says something is happening with God's people in that city. Here we find Philip is preaching the city, the city has come to know Jesus. And I want you to write this down as well someplace. When Jesus finds you, he gives you a total makeover. He changes you. He saves you. He gives you everlasting life. He, he makes you whole. I want you to be reminded you were once dead in trespasses and sin, the Bible says. And when you found Jesus, where Jesus saved you, you are now alive in Christ. You're no longer dead. He doesn't just come in and change a little bit of you. He comes in and does a total makeover. The Holy Spirit of God comes in and dwells inside of you. You've got the Spirit of God living inside of you, child of God. The way you used to think is different. The way you used to act is different. You see, everything is different because now we are alive in Christ. The Holy Spirit of God now indwells us. He gives us power. The Holy Spirit of God gives us purpose. The Holy Spirit of God gives us a reason to live. Your life is now a life lived for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Galatians 6, 5 says this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision or or anything nor uncircumcision but a new creature when you became a child of God you became a new creature when Simon became a child of God he became a new creature when these these people that once were lost became a child of God they became a new creature and now that you're a new creature God has a purpose for your life you don't have to walk around hopeless any longer you don't have to walk around lonely any longer you have a friend that sticketh closer than the brother. Jesus Christ loves you and he gave his life for you. You're now a child of the king. God has a purpose. Oh, to think this, that God would use someone like me and someone like you. This month, as you heard, as Brian gave me flowers, it's a little weird. But as we, uh, Brian mentioned, sometimes I think that this past week I was laying in Mexico. In the middle of the night, you know the story. And I was sitting there wondering, God, I can't believe you'd use someone like me. 
I can't believe that I could be sitting in a foreign country encouraging other pastors to keep serving the Lord. What a wonderful thing that was. I can't believe, God, that you were going to let me come back and preach to Monclova Road Baptist Church on Sunday. I don't deserve that. Every so often I say, God, you, you sure you got the right guy? You know who I am. You know that I'm no good. You know that I'm a sinner. And I'm so thankful that God says, I know, but I still want to use you. You hear me today? God wants to use you as well. You know, there's some people like Simon that have a past. But listen to me, when you've got glory to save, God still loves you and wants to use you. There's some people that have done some rotten things in their past. But when you got saved, that rotten, sinful thing that you've done in your past, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ, and it is forgiven. I'm so glad that God doesn't hold on to those things that we did before we were saved. Listen to me, the day that you got saved, the blood of Jesus Christ washed away all your sins. And you might remember your sin, but one of the greatest attributes of God, when you recognize that sin and you repeat that sin to God, you know what he says? I don't know what you're talking about. When I see you, I see you in Christ. And I see your sins are washed away. I don't see that old sinner anymore. I see a child of God now. Praise God for that. But you know, sometimes, sometimes that old nature tries to take control. In verse number 18 and verse number 19, look with me if you would, please. We find, and when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, what did he do? He offered him money saying, he said this, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. You know what Simon was doing? He was letting that old nature, that old man take over. Simon has the same problem we all have, don't we? Every so often, listen, we're gloriously saved. We believe in Jesus Christ. We've been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But every so often, we start thinking like we used to think. Every so often, we start behaving like we used to behave. We go back to our old way of thinking. We, we start thinking about the old way of living. Listen, it happens to all of us this time. at times. Our past starts to look good again. You know what, Simon, as he's watching, as he's watching the people come together and are saved, as he's watching the Holy Spirit of God come upon them, he's watching the power that they receive from the Holy Spirit of God, Simon starts thinking back of the days that he used to put magic out, and the people were, were, were uh, impressed, and he had great power, and he said, to the, he said to the apostles, give me that same power, I'll even pay for it. He started remembering what he used to be. Every so often, we go back to our lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes. We go back to thinking and wanting the things that we used to do. And Peter rebukes Simon in verse number 20 and verse number 21. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perisheth with thee, because thou hast thought that in the gift of God may be purchased with money. Ever so often, we need a reminder, don't we? 
Every so often we need someone like Peter in our life to remind us. Get back on track. Get back to thinking the right way. Get back to behaving like Christ. You know, inside of us, there's that still that old man. As long as you have this flesh, not until we are, are, are either raptured out of this church or receive, uh, receive our, our new body, no, not until then do we not have to operate in this old flesh. But hear me, as long as you have this old flesh, your old man wants to, every so often, rule your life. Simon, this old man inside Simon, he was gloriously saved. He believed just like these other believed. He was baptized just like these others were baptized. But his old thoughts, his old desires came back up and began to rule him and control him. And Peter rebukes him. He says this in verse number 21, your heart is not right in this matter. You know, church, every so often our heart's not right in these matters. Every so often, you know what we need to do? We need to be reminded. Our focus needs to be on God. We need to be reminded that our, that, our, that our attention needs to be upon the will of God for our life. Every so often, we need to be reminded that we need to get back to serving the Lord. When Christ saved you, He completed you. When Christ saved you, He gave you everything that you needed he gave you the Holy Spirit of God so that you could serve him. But we still live in this flesh. And what do we do? Because sometimes, Christian, when we go back and we behave in our flesh, we get discouraged. Every so often we go back thinking the way we used to think or behaving we used to, the way we used to behave and it caused us to, to feel defeated. And listen to me, I didn't come this morning to discourage you. I came to encourage you. Maybe there's someone here today and you've fallen away and you're not serving like you used to serve and you don't, you're not thinking like, like the Lord would have you to think. You're not behaving like the Lord would have you to behave. Listen to me, I would encourage you this. Get back, get back, get back to where the Holy Spirit of God is ruling and leading in your life. Get back to where the power of God is upon you. Get back to serving the Lord. Get back to witnessing the, the, of the Lord. Get back to living a right life filled with the Spirit of God. Listen, you don't have to stay in, 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 in your flesh. You don't have to stay in discouragement. It doesn't matter what you've done. Yes, you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven at, at salvation, but the Lord Jesus Christ still forgives you even after salvation. What do we do? The Bible says in verse number 22, look what he says, repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thoughts of thine heart may be forgiven thee. I love that verse in 1 John. That when we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you so thankful for that? Aren't you so glad, church, that even once you're saved, that, that, that yes, we still sin, and yes, we still do things that are unfaithful, yes, we do things that are still wrong, and God doesn't cast you away? One of my girls got in a little bit of trouble while I was gone. And I say trouble. You know, not bad, but just enough to put dad on the phone. And when dad's on Mexico and he gets on the phone, you know there's trouble. This isn't one of those, wait till dad gets back. This was, put her on the phone now. 
And she knows she's in trouble because by the time she gets the phone, she's already crying. <laughs> yes? What's going on? You already know. I just know it. I've already gone to my room. <laughs> I've already said I'm sorry. No matter what my kids do, I still love them. I didn't say, you know what, you're banished from being a Rand. Get your stuff and go live in the neighbor's house. I didn't say, you know what, I don't love you any longer. Yes, you were born into this family, but because you've done something wrong now that's disappointed me, I'm kicking you out of this family. That's not what was said. And praise God, that's not what God says to you either. He still offers you his grace. He still offers you his mercy. Oh, listen to me, the day we were saved, yeah, the Holy Spirit of God came and dwells us, and yes, we're gloriously saved, and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and yes, we've been baptized, and, and yes, what a glorious day that was, but every so often, every so often, we, our flesh gets a little bit of control in our life. Every so often, yes, even the best of us, listen, this is not a, a museum of, of, of righteous people. Every single person in this room is a sinner. It's a hospital where sick people come to get help. There's nobody in this room better than anyone else. There's just people that can fake it a little bit better. But all of us are sinners. Every single one of us this week have done something, something against God. Every one of us. We've thought something. We've said something. We've done something. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ still loves you and he still offers forgiveness. The apostle said, repent. You know what he said? Say you're sorry. The, 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 the one of my girls that, that uh, uh, messed, a little, messed up a little bit this week, she said to my wife, I don't want dad, I'm a little bit nervous. I want dad to come home, but, but I don't want dad to come home because I don't want to get in trouble again. How many of your parents? Am I the only one with kids like that or your kids the same way? And this is what my wife said to her. You've already asked for forgiveness. And he said that you're forgiven. I don't think he's even going to bring it up again. So my wife got on the phone with me on the way back from the airport, and she said, now this is what I told her. <laughs> and so I don't want you bringing it up again when you get home. And I'd said what all good husbands say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> no, you know what I said to her? I said I didn't plan on it because she's already forgiven. And listen to me, some of us, some of us, we keep bringing up what's already been forgiven. We keep saying, well, God, I don't know if I could serve you because remember when I did this? And God says, no, I don't remember because you're already forgiven. Well, God, I, I, I know you must be mad at me still because remember, I know you died for me and I know you saved me, but remember, remember when I did this, God? And he says, no, I don't remember because it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. It is forgiven. Oh, listen to me, Christian. I want to encourage you today. Live a victorious Christian life. It's forgiven. 
Now, that doesn't give us an excuse to, to sin. Paul said, God forbid. That's not our reason to sin. We don't, we, don't, we don't take advantage of God's grace and say, well, I know you're going to forgive me, so I'm going to enjoy doing this, God. We don't want to sin because we love us, because we love him. He loved us. But when we do, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I was thinking about this this, cha- this chapter here. And the reality is this. We're probably, most of us are probably more like Simon than not. We've got a past. We've got his old nature. And every so often that old nature kind of raises its ugly head. And I'm so, fa- I'm so thankful that the grace of God, I'm so thankful that God's mercy and his grace forgives me cleanses me and all I have to do is ask forgiveness I'm so thankful that God loves me I'm so thankful that God doesn't hold grudges I'm so thankful that God cares I'm so thankful that he's still my heavenly father I'm so thankful that he's there to hear and to listen and I'm so thankful that he's there to forgive Listen to me, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then do as Simon did in the beginning of this lesson and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He died for your sins. But hear me, Christian, if you as Simon did after you were saved, find yourself in a place where you say, I've messed up now. What do I do? God in his love and mercy brings you close. And just like a human father would love his child and restore that broken relationship, our heavenly father does the same thing. He forgives. I'm so thankful that our heavenly father forgives. Aren't you today? Let's pray together. Father, Lord,